Anyway, that's why they call me the new mouth of the South. Hello and welcome to Podquisition. Podquisition? Yeah, that, that's the right one. I got the right one this week. It's Podquisition. You got the right one Definitely and then the right worried podcast. that you hadn't got the right and one, then, which means did you truly get the right one? I mean, that's it. Like, either way, I fucked up. Either way, I have screwed the pooch quite regally. And for that, I apologise. What I'm not going to screw up is introducing our co-hosts for today. In fact, I'm going to be so efficient, I'm going to introduce Gavin first so that we don't get sidetracked for five minutes. (laughs) Hello, Gavin. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And on to Laura. (laughs) Hello. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you doing today, Gavin? I'm going to ask Gavin how he's doing. Oh, he's on the spot today. Gavin's all right. Gavin's a bit um, fucked off with music today. He spent... Six hours trying to fix a baseline and it's still not fixed. So, was, uh, was having a bit of a nervous breakdown before getting on this the, the podcast. So naughty, naughty baseline. We'll Na- have to give it a, a a swift smack on the bottom. It's been very naughty. Naughty, naughty baseline. Naughty, naughty baseline. <laughs> oh my word, Gavin! That was that was very <laughs> commanding. I want it. I want it to sound like boom, 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 but it's sounding like ting, 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 and it's. Oh, that's hardly any bass at all, is it? That's uh, that's more like a bass, like a fish. Is the solution the thing that I would do in this situation, which is the the instrument's not making the sound I want it to, but I can make the sound with my mouth, so this song is going to have a mouth (laughs) as a bass line. I'm just gonna go. I actually did that once with um. There was a drum sound I was trying to get, and I couldn't get it, so I just went like that and added it in. Added it in over the drum sound, and it actually worked. Before we know it, you're gonna be one of you're gonna be one of them YouTube channels that does all acapella remixes of video game theme tunes. Here's a fun story. You know my uh, Bioshock song, "Dream of the Sky." Yeah. yeah, I love well, that. Well, you one. know, in the soundtrack for that game, they had all that crazy percussion and stuff going. Well, I don't have any of that shit. So, all of the percussion in my song is all like stuff from my kitchen, like wooden spoons and oh, nice. and, and cooking uh, like oven plates. What are they called? Oh. Oven trays and stuff. And no, like, like cookie sheets and the yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's all kitchen nice. utensils. I would nice. need to double check what the name of the song is, but there was a uh, there was a song by the band The Traveling Wilburys that was very yeah. similar in that all of its percussion was done with like stuff from a kitchen. kitchen and that's yeah. that's funny I that love you mentioned that stuff happens. Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned the Wilburys because I did um, a moment ago. I said Jeff Lynne because I was going to say Jeff Lynne, um, who obviously uh, ELO frontman of ELO, my big fan of ELO and all that business. He would, has... would strike me as someone who's inventive in what they can use as an oh, instrument. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. his house uh. is wired for sound. Like, I, the, the last thing I read, like, I read a profile of him, him many years ago. He said he's got, like, microphones inside his kitchen cabinet just because every place in the house has a different sound. And so mm. he has everything wired so he can just wow. create wherever yeah. like whatever sounds he needs if, there's somewhere in his house to get it i wish i knew if, that much about sound so everything i recorded didn't have so much <laughs> fucking reverb if if any of you listening to this have never heard of the traveling wilburys they were a band from like the the late 80s that only ever super recorded group. two albums but they were they were a super group that had bob dylan george harrison jeff lynn roy orbison and tom petty they were fucking. All just amazing. came together and made music together, and they made some fucking good stuff. I had yeah. both of their albums on vinyl. They were great. First one, obviously stronger. Highly recommended. 
also, um, I was going to say something else about them, but I forgot. But highly recommended. Check them out. Uh, um, my, just my, my favourite. My favourite of their songs is still uh, "Tweeter and the Monkey Man," which is one of the ones that's got Dylan on vocals you know, and oh, and I love the it. You know what's really sad? Down. All mm-hmm. the it's way that, to hell. Yeah. You couldn't have a super group like that nowadays because there aren't the rock stars. Like in, you could have had one in the nineties. They had Temple of the Dog with like all the guys mm-hmm. from Pearl Jam and and who knows what else and. In the noughties, you might have been able to get one, maybe. What, what are you on about? We, we got Muck busted a few years ago. <laughs> like, don't forget the noughties, I meant, not the nineties. Well, there's could have no... had like Dave Grohl and Matt Bellamy and Trent Reznor start a supergroup, but now I don't know who who are the big groups in the last like in this decade who Ours can form is a supergroup. Ours is a temporary culture now. Nothing. No one. At least from maybe it's just me out of touch, but I don't see too many people with like like decades spanning careers anymore. Yeah, like like culture moves too quick these days for there to be legends anymore, yeah. uh, which I feel. Right. At least that's the way I feel it. But then again, maybe you know my grandparents felt the same uh, yeah. when I was a kid. Uh, so who knows? But no, I definitely very feel like that. People. I think mu- music music is much more transient mm. now. It's it's there and it's gone. Yeah, I think that's true of all pop culture. It's just yeah. here I, and gone. I think also part of the problem is like there's a lot of bands today that I don't think would be willing to compromise and find a style that fits for both bands rather than just doing like yeah, well we'll we'll combine, but it's got to sound like our stuff. Mm. Um, the song that was played on a, on bits of the percussion was played on bits of a fridge was called Rattled. Okay, so there we go. I vaguely remember Rattled. Yeah, uh, the reason that we are talking so much about music is because because we got fucking nothing to talk about this week. <laughs> no fucking games news. Well, this this podcast is going to come out on Thanksgiving um, in America, so it's it's basically a holiday week here. Um, I mean, I've been keeping busy because there's been a lot of stuff. Regarding the loot box situation. The, the but, loot box thing is like the only noteworthy news yeah. thing that has happened this week. And it literally happened like today. Yeah. And even um, then it's kind of in some ways not as big of a story as it was made to be in some places. It's a weird one. It's one of those things where had it come out in its original... in its Had it come out... Had the, the, the full truth of it come out immediately, it would have been seen as a big deal. But because it came out sounding like a bigger deal than it was, the reality of it is now disappointing in re- in yeah. like comparison. But it is still very, very worthwhile and interesting. And from a personal perspective, watching the game industry lying in a bed it made for itself is mm. rather validating. And That's- they can't say, I didn't fucking warn them, because I, I said from the off, regulation was coming if they couldn't rope yeah. it in. I, and I think I think like I think there is a way to summarize this that doesn't sound unexciting but isn't inaccurate, which is basically there are there is more that there are multiple countries in the world that this week have started to go, hey, loot boxes, maybe we should look at those because they might be predatory. Yes. Um and the state of Hawaii uh, oh, brought the my true God, that, gold. 
Everyone's uh, talking about Belgium. Um, the Hawaii the... video was the fucking best. Yes, uh, the Hawaii video was amazing. So a lot of attention has been on Belgium because their gaming commission is looking into loot boxes. There mm, was, they're not um... looking into loot boxes. Well, I have to clarify this. There's been a lot of misinformation about this story. For about two months, the Belgian uh, Gambling Commission has been looking at whether video games in any capacity constitute as gambling. Separately, the Belgian Minister for Justice believes that loot boxes constitute gambling and wants to take it to the EU Commission. The, the, uh, to the EU. The Gambling Commission in Belgium have not mentioned loot boxes at all. What That's has true. happened is a statement they made a few months ago about if you are putting money on the line with an uncertain outcome that is gambling is a statement they made and separately the Belgian Minister for Justice has said loot boxes are gambling and I'm going to go talk to the EU about it. Yeah, well, yeah. So I, I hate to like shut that, I hate to like jump on it that way, but it's like there's a lot of confusion about I, the I Belgium get it. bit, I think. The trend, a lot got lost in translation, but... Mm. Okay, so they're not specifically looking at loot boxes, but the <laughs> Belgium Gaming Commission is looking at games and gambling, that you know, and, and potential links. Yeah, and, where... and there is enough of a link that a very high person in Belgian government has gone. Yeah, I think they are loot. I think loot boxes are gambling, and I'm going to go talk to the EU about getting them banned in in the EU. I mean, like, that is I... a thing that happened, and that's kind of crazy still. Uh, I got a Jimquisition rendering on this as we speak. Um... Which I had to make a few butchered edits to, uh, because the translation stuff was happening while I was doing it. So I've, I've got it as accurate as possible, I think, and as up to date at the time of talking. <laughs> um, but my favourite part with the Belgian aspect was uh, this: this uh, the justice minister uh, basically saying that this kind of stuff is uh, damaging to the mental health of a child, uh, which I have decided to basically state that electronic arts is damaging children's brains yeah so, they, they, they are hurting children in the brain yeah not my words the words of the justice minister of belgium uh, but anyway everyone's been I focused mean, it's, on it's it's true yeah yeah it, it's they do exploit kids you yeah. know those loot boxes no matter what the game is in you know they exploit kids and they exploit vulnerable people i mean there's they absolutely do. Like I, 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 I mean, they, they, again, this Jack, is why Jack I think Black's the Hawaii son spent stuff. like three grand on them, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, um, that former Bioware dev said uh, he saw what a single cu customer spend fifteen thousand dollars on Mass Effect items, which is, wow. I mean, some people look at that. I said this on a Jimquisition. I said some people look at this and like, laugh at the person, go, "What an idiot!" I look at that and I'm like. Do we think maybe an intervention is required here? Is this potentially like someone who needs some help rather than a game that's enabling and encouraging that sort of behavior? Like yeah. that stuff that does need to be looked at, I think. And the game industry, unlike many other industries, has managed to get away with so little oversight. I mean, they quote unquote regulate themselves, um, the ESRB, and don't. People keep asking the ESRB to come to a decision on this. The ESRB's job is a flak jacket for the industry. They were made by the ESA, 
the Entertainment Software Association, they founded the ESRB in the 90s to basically protect the game industry from regulators, legislators. And that's the ratings board. They're not on your side. They're not going to make a move on loot boxes until they seriously feel threatened by politicians doing it. Then the ESRB might start saying, okay, we're going to regulate loot boxes now but they won't move until they have to protect something don't think they're on your side i just feel that's important to bring up also fuck the esi bunch of bastards uh, if regulation comes for the game industry i won't send a fucking wraith for them because the esa went all in on soper and pippa which was one of the most anti-customer fucking things to have happened before they uh, tried to destroy net neutrality, which is what they're working very busy yeah, on fuck, doing right now in America. Fuck the FCC, by the way. Fuck the FCC as well. Fuck the FCC right in its fucking ear hole. Right up there. Right. Burst the eardrum with it and then replace it with penises and fingers and dildos. Fuck you. Fuck you right in your ear hole. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the point is is the Belgium thing is interesting, but it's not golden like the Hawaii thing, where we've got the uh, the state representative of Hawaii, Chris... Uh, shit, I've forgotten his name. Um, it's in the Junquisition video. Uh, I researched for that. I've forgotten everything now, even though I edited it like 10 minutes ago. Um, but anyway... He comes comes out with um, some other people. There's like four, three, three or four other people with him. Comes out, says Star Wars Battlefront Two is a Star Wars themed online casino. Um, talks uh, about the financial. <laughs> I found it fucking hilarious. Oh, um, it's so it's so gold. It's 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 gold all the way through. Um, another guy comes out. This was my favourite quote when he said. Uh, we didn't let Joe Camel sell cigarettes to children. We shouldn't let Star Wars sell gambling to children. I'm like, ha <laughs> ha! Oh, God, so good. Um, the whole thing's worth watching. Uh, they talk a lot about uh, basically just... I mean, they, they even use Star Wars parlance in it. They were like, look, warning to the families, it's a trap. <laughs> it, here's the thing, though. like the, the Hawaii one, like... Occasionally, some of the terminology used, like, over-exaggerated the issue slightly. Uh, you know, that, that, that much I'll say. But I really liked tonally the core of what they were trying to say, which is like, hey, this is basically selling addictive spending habits to kids. Maybe we don't do that. Maybe we regulate that in some way, because this is basically the ways we get adults to gamble, the things that we get to make them spend all their money in gambling... We're doing the same things, but to kids here, we probably shouldn't do that. I mean, that's that's the crux of it, is we've got a, a, an industry right now using the exact same methods of casinos and gambling websites uh, that, are, that are also subject to regulation. Um, you know, all sorts of, of real money gambling games, but because they've got enough steps of separation... It's an unregulated marketplace. So they get to use all the psychological tricks, all of the ways in which they can build money out of you with no upper limit and no checks and balances in place. Now, I'm not... I, I, I guess people would expect me to be like, no regulation, no regulation, we should fight against this. First of all, I stopped giving a shit about standing up for the game industry against regulation when the ESA backed Sopra and Pippa. So again, they're on their fucking own on that one. Second of all, 
I've been saying it for months. I warned them this would happen. I said where we were going. They weren't too interested. They were too busy thinking about their profit margins. Uh, third of all, I mean, EA said itself that Star Wars Battlefront isn't going to be financially impacted, that their earnings, they said it to investors. Not my words, EA's words. They're not going to see any material impact from removing the microtransactions from Battlefront 2 temporarily like they did. So... If they're not going to feel any material impact from it, maybe they've been feeding us a line of bollocks about how they need these microtransactions in their games mm. so badly. Well, so you know I'm not might... crying at all for them. You know what might show them some material impact? The fact that apparently Battlefront 2 uh, in its launch window has sold about half as much as the first game. Ha! It, it sold maybe half as many copies because... Well, when, Apparently, people don't want to buy a game full of shitty like marketing practices. When when Disney has to step in and be like, "What are you doing to the name of our franchise?" You know, yeah. something went went wrong along the way. I mean, that's the other thing as well. Yeah, I mean, is, um, how do you it, fuck it up out. Star Wars? That's an easy sell. You be Electronic Arts. Um, I mean, you've got to like someone on the 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 Jim Sterling subreddit pointed out that. Uh, since they've had the license, they've they've not produced anything of, of much worth. They've done the MMO that sort of had a strong start but didn't really go anywhere and has petered out. They've and they done murdered some the one mobile that good. games. Yeah. Battlefront 2015 was half a game with a $50 season pass to finish it. And I can imagine that would have turned some people off. Uh, you know, that, that's been cited as, say, Watch Dogs 2's. Uh, failure to beat the original was people were put off by the first one um that could have had an impact ea has basically just done a sh a, a cat-handed job of handling the star wars license and if i were disney i'd sure as shit be shopping around for someone else not activision disney i know what you want to do don't give it to activision give it to Give it to Nintendo, one. they're doing a good job of stuff at the moment. <laughs> Nintendo, right right oh now, no, they're Nintendo doing good with their do, franchises. Nintendo would do, like, it would be, it would be an almost frustratingly weird take on a Star Wars it, game because it would, it would be, be a, Nintendo. It would be a video, a video game-ass video game with no loot boxes and microtransactions and you'd go, I had a fun time playing it, it's not what I expected of Star Wars. I, yeah, like, like, I like how in um, in Mario I've been buying outfits and things and I buy it with stuff that I find in the game. It's amazing, isn't it? It feels yeah. awful these days. You're like, holy yeah. shit. No, it, re like, it, it actually does. You, it, and it, I, I've been getting that twang of guilt of like, oh man, I just bought something in a video game and I have to remind myself, yeah, you didn't buy it with real money. Yeah, like I, I love that it's balanced so that like if you do most of the stuff that you're likely to naturally want to do in that level, you will probably be able to buy the stuff you want. I By the way, that, that, that like, game is just yeah. something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I finally not gonna... got to New Donk City and Jesus Christ, <laughs> that level. It's like I've never seen so much fun crammed into such a small space. I'm going to yeah, try like, not to praise it too much until the sort of year-end awards because lately I've been accused of, and, and I'll quote, sucking off Mario and sleeping with my copy of Mario <laughs> because, of, 
apparently me liking a game a lot is such an unusual occurrence. I really don't think it is. How dare you like a Nintendo game, Jim? This is... You, you, you're not allowed to not like Nintendo games enough, but you're also not allowed to like them too much. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the case. Um, I like the person who theorised that my like of Super Mario and, and the Switch, which I've, I've I praised this week, is me... Let me um, guess it's guilt for, for yeah, ruining trying Zelda. To, trying to make amends, trying to cover it up. Um, apparently for literally, I... Jim, for literally ruining all the fun anyone ever could have <laughs> yeah. had with Zelda, you ruined it. Well, uh, according How to can you enjoy a game editor, that's only a 97? I am the most hated man in the Breath of the World community. Um, <laughs> that's according to one editor, who, as you say, um, it was me and me alone who deliberately on purpose saw Laura. to it that Breath of the Wild wouldn't be seen on Metacritic as the greatest game of all time. <laughs> Laura, because that is such a high-stakes fight. Do you remember how much fun we were having with Zelda until it dropped that one point oh, on God. Metacritic and yeah, suddenly when, it was when shit I, and we when couldn't I found, enjoy it anymore? When I found out that Jim had, like, you know, lowered the Metacritic score, that was when I went back to my review and you said, you know what, that 10 out of 10 I gave it, completely wrong. It's actually a 3 out of 10, fuck it. I, 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 Jim has shown me the errors of my ways and I'm no longer enjoying this game. The fucking theory I got on Monday from one of them, like some of the shit I've been getting has been amazing, but the theory that, that made me laugh was uh, I deliberately gave Breath of the Wild a 7 as a sort, almost like an investment uh, because they thought that I I predicted, and, and I never made such a prediction, I never make predictions about Nintendo's successes, uh, but they reckon I predicted the Switch would fail. So I basically invested the 7 in Zelda so that I could look right all along. I don't know how that logic, like how that works. How me giving a seven to just a game, I just don't will mean it later will prove I was right. But that's that was this person's theory. Like I just don't get the reason I don't get the rage is it is for me from my point of view I don't get the tens. I for me that game's an eight. I I totally respect the people that have given it a lower score. Like the the difference for me basically comes down to how much you weigh Breath of the Wild on overall polish versus going out and doing something new. Yeah. And for me, the things that it was doing, the things that were new about it, uh, kept me engaged. I've said this before. It got me to engage with a, a genre of game that I don't usually stick with till the end. Yeah. And for me, that was really impressive. I... I I was more impressed with the things it was doing that were new and the things that it managed to make engaging that aren't normally engaging I, for me that I was willing to overlook the areas that it was a little rough around the edges. I just for me, can't, it, yeah. I, I just can't go back to it now after Assassin's Creed Origins because um, Bayek has unlimited sprint and he climbs everything in the game as well, but he climbs mountains so much faster Gav, than, than Link. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin, would you say that Assassin's Creed Origins is better than... The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I had a better time with Origins than I did with Zelda. That's the I'm... same with me and Sonic Forces. Yeah, yeah, I would say that Origins is undoubtedly a more polished game if, than Breath of the Wild. Um, if I, I, I'd actually disagree with you. I think Breath of the Wild is more polished and mm. and less buggy and stuff. But I just I just had more fun with Origins. But I, it's all just taste, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like if, I, if, I, if I hadn't already played Horizon this year, Origins yeah. would probably be my game of the year. 
I think I think that's the thing for me is that the itch that I had for that kind of open world game was scratched by Horizon and yeah. Horizon to me was better than than Origin. I will say like Origin was a fantastic game. Um I have no real desire to go back to it. Yeah. Breath of the Wild I'm still like tinkering around in my hard mode playthrough. Yeah. Like I still will play half an hour here and there like trying to to fight my way through. I did the, the quest line the other day they added with the Xenoblade armor in it and Yeah, I'm I'm still I'm the fact that I'm still playing Breath of the Wild at this point in the year, I'm like I I I feel good about the score I gave it. Mm. That's good. I mean that's that's often to me the like the real sign that something's worth game of the year material. Um that's why even though we kinda talked about it being the third in the series and not having as many surprises. It's why I still gave Dark Souls 3 a Game of the Year nod last year because I played it more than anything else. I played, I, yeah. I, 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 I did New Game Plus again and again and again. And, that, and it um, wasn't just played it more than anything else. It was just, it was, it was on your mind. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. And it, it, it just, it, it dominated our conversations yeah. more than anything it's, else. It just... It's the reason why last year I probably would say my my favorite game of last year or the best game of last year for me was Pokemon Go because 18 months after that game is it came out I'm still playing it on a daily basis and that says a lot like there are very few games I will play daily for a year and a half yeah that that game and player unknowns battlegrounds are both just absolute phenomenons actually I saw an argument happening on Twitter between a few um media peeps who were discussing whether or not Battlegrounds should qualify for a game of the year award. I, I absolutely saw a think bit of that. it I yeah. absolutely think it should. I I know some of that came up because uh, the golden joysticks were uh, happened in the past week which hmm. full disclosure I am at Kotaku UK who are owned by Future and Future run the golden joysticks but um yeah a lot of the debate was basically around it's an early access game should it be up for awards and like for, for my for my stance of course it should be it was the yeah. fucking biggest game in the of this year like it it may not be quote unquote finished but it yeah. is purchasable and people have had a fucking amazing time with it this year it should totally I'll be up for awards it, I'll it's only been say the this, most though. culturally significant 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 game of the year <laughs> I'll say this though, if we're given awards to early access games, I no longer want to hear any shit when I criticize early access games. Oh, yeah, I totally agree like if, if the that's game... the case, if that's the yeah. case that early access can win game of the year uh, and you know mm. and and I've always believed this. I I I leave yeah. early access stuff just as a matter of simplicity off of my own personal game of the year stuff and and wait for the official release, but in terms of criticizing games as they come out you criticize what you buy you know what you buy is what you have uh you there can be many promises down the line but you can only deal with what you've got in front of you and whether what you've got in front of you is indicative of promise and potential down the line Mm. but so many early access um games skate by on this well we're not done yet give us a chance you see so many user reviews sticking up for things Mm. Uh, saying, well, you know, it could go anywhere. It's like, no, you could. If something's shit when it's at the point of sale, then it's yeah. shit. And if by, we're giving awards my... to games now, then I don't want to hear it. 
Yeah, but by my stance, if you're charging money for a game, it's fair to criticise it. Sure, it may, it may change and your opinion may change, but they thought in this state it was worth charging you money for, they can take criticism. Of course, because people need to know if it's worth their money. Um, I I was that that game with the golden joysticks. Yeah, there was um, I I I was like Zelda won game of the year. I was like, oh yeah, cool. But Zelda also won best sound, and I was like, what? Really taken aback by that. It doesn't I, have the sexy brutal soundtrack, so it can f up. Yeah, I really felt like even from a sound design point of view it felt quite dated i felt like uh, a lot my- of the sound effects and is this a, is is this a conscious decision by nintendo that every time they release a first party game like mario and zelda the midi music in it feels like midi music from 10 to 15 years previous it just has that weird cheap like old feel to the midi and i always wonder is that a deliberate decision that they make they don't use the most up-to-date music software. They they tend to use stuff that sounds kind of retro and older. If if I had to make a guess, there were like three things that I think might play into that. Yeah. One of them is storage space on physical media on a device that's a handheld, which is probably the big one. That uh, shouldn't matter with music files. It shouldn't, but if you're trying to fit your game onto a relatively, like, small file size that's something to factor and the game industry hates Uh, yeah no that 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 doesn't that's not how it works though because like the files are the files they'll be the same size no matter what midi you use okay they seem to pick old sounding instruments i apologize for my lack of of knowledge on music things like (laughs) the other two things that like i think about when i think of that is a, how much of it is them trying to keep the sort of sound profile of things they've made in the past that people already like the sound, how they sound? Yeah. And that's B, what I was wondering. It, it, yeah. it does seem to be a conscious decision, like. Yeah, and B, is it partially maybe to emphasize the melody track because that's the bit that's memorable in most soundtracks? That I don't know if that would be a factor. Yeah. Who knows. I just always uh, think Nintendo's music in their game sounds really kind of cheap. And I was really surprised that they won a Best Sound Award. Well, but yeah, great music. Like, wonderfully, wonderfully written music. But just the way it's, it's produced it's, is What I is What odd. I will say is that the winner of that award was decided by the public, and the public picked the one that they wanted to win, and as yeah. such, that one won. And yeah. That that and, is that is that is that and, on that one. <laughs> and the song in Mario Odyssey at the is fucking fantastic. <laughs> oh, the oh. Uh, the one at the the New Donk City Festival. Yeah, it's, it's like is, catchy. Is poppy jazz really popular in Japan? Because I noticed a lot of Japanese games have very jazzy uh, soundtracks. Whereas I, it, you don't really get that in the West. It seems so. Apparently. Um, like if if for my for my personal money, like some of the best sound design this year was um, Hellblade. Not necessarily to do yeah. with its soundtrack, but the stuff it did with binaural audio for like the words that sound like they're coming from lots of different directions in your head. Yeah, some yeah. of that stuff that was very get, impressively used. I feel that needs to get considered more and more when we talk about sound design as well, because I think a lot of people always default to music. Mm. Whereas something like Hellblade, 
had well, some good should, music as well, but but sound design really, is more than that. They should really be separate categories. Yeah, there, there are there are awards that do it in separate categories there, and and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're such completely different art forms, and and it's 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 amazing when um when they make them work together. Actually. Agreed. Um. Yeah. There is like one very quick bit of news about Hellblade that I thought was like quite nice positive news to hear to hear. Um apparently that game has in 3 months uh beaten the sales expectations they had for the first 6 months of the game. Nice. Uh it sold about half a million copies and that was enough for them to go in from breaking even into hooray they made a profit and they they did that about 3 months faster than they expected to. So that's Hooray, pretty for impressive for a game about mental health issues. Yeah, a, a game by like twenty people about mental health issues sold half a million copies, and I think, I think the turnover on it was something like thirteen thirteen million dollars that they they had in in revenue. So like, that is hey, they, a, did bad. they did good. Yeah, it's not yeah. a bad budget to have spent on a game that looks like a triple A game, mm. and they only had to sell half a million copies to make a profit. So go with them. As I've said, it's a it's a good sign that the way AAA publishers do things is not the only way, and and I think that it, this isn't just true in in the games industry. This is true in in most entertainment industries, where a lot of artists creators get convinced that there's one way to do things, there's one track to success, and it's through us. That's why you trust us. We'll look after everything, and then people get fucked over. And stuff like this, just like we saw with you know with the Kickstarter boom uh, a few years ago, it's just evidence that yeah, yeah, EA will can and will handle a lot for you, but there are other avenues. They're not the only option, and maybe explore the options, especially if you have artistic pride. Because I guarantee you, Hellblade would not have being the game it is if it was published by a major company they'd have changed yeah. so much of that fucking game i i do somewhat like as well the um the the start the statement that was made by the people who made hellblade that basically uh alongside these stats they put out a statement that was like hey for a while we've been hearing that like mid-tier games just like can't exist and be profitable but there we go we did it Come on, come on, guys! Let's make more of these like mid-tier games. I mean, let's let's cut the shit. A lot of that stuff comes from people who want them gone. Now yeah. we saw this. The way Phil Harrison used to constantly tell a single player was dead as as early as at least two thousand eight, almost yeah, a that's... decade ago. He was saying that the is... single player game is dead. That is why Mario Odyssey has been such a huge failure, yeah. obviously. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, I mean, he said that like a year after Bioshock came out, and he was like, oh, the single-player campaign's dead. And they said about survival horror games, which, of course, has been proven untrue, um, because where the AAA industry decides to leave something alone, indies pick up the slack. And they said this about mid-tier games, and it's not so much that they won't work, it's that they don't want them to work, because that's too much effort for not enough money for what they want. You know, they only care now about... You know, this is why publishers put out so few games now compared to what they used to do, because they only want the big franchise AAA. We see it in Hollywood as well. Everything's a franchise. Everything's got 10 years in it. 
Uh, everything has got to be monetized to the nth degree. And mid-tier games aren't good for that. So, of course, it benefits them that the story is, oh, they're dead, they don't sell, they can't succeed. So I love it when something like this comes out and just shatters that story. Hooray, woo. Um, other stuff this week, that that was like all of the news. So uh, games we've been playing this week. Jim, I know you've been playing uh, a bit of Skyrim on that Switch. I've been having a little go of that Skyrim on the old Switch there. How's um, it been going for you? It sure as fuck is Skyrim. Oh, it um, sure is Skyrim. Yeah, it sure is Skyrim. I bought it for the same reason almost everybody's going to buy it. Uh, the novelty of playing Switch in a handheld scenario, which yeah. has been done. I mean, I, the razor blade let you do it before then. Um, I had an argument with myself in my head over whether <laughs> I need Skyrim on yet another console. <laughs> I, I picked it up because I was like, you know what? There's going to be like a long haul flight at some point where I'm just going to go, you know what? I kind of fancy playing some Skyrim while I listen to a podcast or something. It's, and it's it'd be nice to know it's there. It's another example of. You know, I'd like, the, I, I, I'd like well... if they put Fallout 3 on, on us. I was thinking that last night when I was playing some, some of the Skyrim. I was like, you know what? I'll take Fallout 3 on this. Um, which again would be a good example of, of a very smartly cherry picked game for what mm. the Switch is. Something that works in as a console game but also in a handheld mode. It's like the perfect fit, like like Stardew yeah. Valley was for the on the indie side of things. Plus a lot of us haven't played Fallout Three in a couple of years now and Skyrim had its um special edition last year, so it's kind of a lot Skyrim of Skyrim just have... went die. It just yeah. went fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it does like it does run nicely though, but it also has some of the weird finicky issues that it it always has. In that, like, I put about three hours into it, and then I did see like a man and his horse just fly through the air for no real reason. I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. it wouldn't it wouldn't be Skyrim if you weren't seeing that. Exactly, That's just like thing. oh hello, man and horse, have a good day. Like or it like... doesn't run worse on the Switch than it does on any on any other system. Yeah. It just runs like a fucking version of Skyrim on it. <laughs> My yeah. favorite Bethesda glitch is the one where it's a pathing glitch where there'll be an NPC will be out of step and they'll be trying to go up the step and they'll keep just moving up and down on the spot. <laughs> I love that glitch. It always makes me laugh. Uh, it's did you, did you Fusroda that... the preacher, Jim? Uh, not yet. I... Uh, I... Let's see. The last thing I recall doing with any great memory is uh, at doing the, the companion's quest. Guy brings me outside. He's like, come on, hit me with your sword to show me what you're made of. Don't worry, I can take it. I draw my sword, and then the entirety of Whiterun decided to attack me. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is Skyrim. I'm playing a, I'm playing a Bethesda game again. Um, so I'm just hiding out until... Until White Run stops being mad at me. Oh, and then I'll on that, back. on that topic, I have a bone to pick with you about Origins. You were like, "Oh yeah, get the poison weapons." So I got myself a poison weapon. And first place I used it was in a town, and whoops, entire <laughs> fucking town dead of, of <laughs> civilians. <laughs> I didn't think I'd use it on civilians. I was like, wait, wait, I didn't. I used it on a baddie and he just infected all the civilians with his corpse. 
and they kept walking into him. <laughs> had like 20 dead civilians. And it was like, the game was like, a Magi is supposed to protect the innocent. It's like, I'm, I'm not making them do this. This, this is why <laughs> I the fucking first, love the, Skyrim. History's first bioterrorist. Uh, That's fantastic. Uh, good old, good old <laughs> open world games. You've mm. you've been you you mentioned before you've been playing more Mario Gav. How's that going for you? Uh it's it's fantastic. I'm on the I'm on the the beach place now. Um, oh, which mm. made me my first moment of getting pissed off with the game was the person won't let me into the fucking hut because I'm not dressed for, for like relaxing, and I've tried three different outfits now that I I'm like what is the right outfit for this. Uh, but, uh, it is the one that I believe involves like a towel or something. All right, well I haven't got that yet. But it's, in general, I just—it's on sale in the Beach Kingdom. Oh, okay. Well, in general, this game, I just can't really even think of criticisms of it. It's just like ridiculously good. I, I, mean, I like the story that, like, is not too much, I suppose. But, yeah, the know. story is not much, and someone wouldn't let you in a place to relax. Yeah. That's about it. Other than that, it's just fucking fantastic. Plus, oh, it, makes, the, me, the it makes me angry me, when I'm bad at platforming. The hat telling me tutorial things every time I go between planets. That thing could have... They could uh, have stood oh, yeah, to have stopped annoying. that. I, I didn't see that after a while because I got to a point where I was just, like, hitting the skip button and not seeing the inside of the ship when I flew between worlds. I had to put on the guided mode for a couple of platforming sections as well because I was getting pissed off with falling. Mm. It is nice like that you can turn it on and off, though. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, like, like it doesn't give you like a, a lesser level of moon for doing it. It's like, no, you still got your moon. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's handy when you just reach that one part that you're like, oh, fuck this. Yeah, I, I totally get you. Um, mm. I have... I think I have three moons left in the main list of moons to to get, wow. and I know which ones they are, and I know how to get them. I just have to so, do the thing. Some of the places they're hidden are just so clever. Oh, there are some fantastic ones. I I I am still getting like late in the game surprised by a couple of the ones I've found. Uh, it's a good game. <laughs> it's sometimes actually when you leave a world and go back to it later, there's new moons and new ways to get them. And I haven't quite worked out what triggers that. What What is the point where it changes? Like in, in most worlds, there's like once you do a certain thing, it changes. But then there's mm. other things that make it change again. Uh, so there, at some point in the future for you you will come across a very clear dividing line where it's like, oh, I did this thing, and now all of the worlds have a lot more content in them. There will be a very definitive thing you'll be able to see that will be a, like, oh, this unlocks a bunch more content. Cool. So, like, you'll know it when you find it. There will, I, I, there will be something that is like, okay, all the content's there now. My, my absolute favourite thing in this game is putting Mario into the builder outfit and just looking at the way his arms wiggle when he runs. Uh, all of those outfits are just like... There's so many cute nods to different things in there. Yeah. Uh, what else has been played? Uh, I have a little bit of an update on Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, that uh, phone game of Animal Crossing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out like everywhere else in the world uh, a couple of days ago, but I've I've still been playing my Australian copy of it that I definitely went to Australia to get. Um, I remember when you booked that trip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's important that I say that because someone got their Twitch account suspended for streaming <laughs> that game using oh, an Australian copy when they weren't Australian. So, um, yeah, I definitely went to Australia and got it. Um, yeah, no, a month in, I've still not felt the need to spend any money on it. I, I've i been playing it sort of 15, 20 minutes before I go to bed. I'll go around my campsite, collect my fruit, go chat to my, my animals, set something, building. And it's just been like a little thing that I've jumped into for maybe 15 minutes a day for a month, and I've not spent any money on it. Well, I, th- I, I think mean, like good. A month in, my big takeaway is, if you're playing this like you're kind of supposed to play a mainline Animal Crossing game, where you play a little bit of it, you know, you play maybe an hour of it at a time at most, and then you put it down and go do something else, and just come back to it on a regular basis, I don't feel the need to spend any money on it. Nice, sounds good to me. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Like, a month in, I don't feel like it's being particularly pushy or predatory with its with its microtransactions. Uh, I also started playing the story mode of Poyo Poyo Tetris, which, it's a puzzle game with a story mode, and I don't know what I was expecting out of it, but the story is fucking bonkers and weird so far. Um, there is a yeah, I've so, got it. I, I I didn't play it for very long, but I got it around about the, the time I sort of first got the Switch. I played the demo a bunch and only got mm-hmm. around to buying the actual game like this this week. And the story mode revolves around a world where people play Poyo, which is this te- uh, this like match four game with blobs. But in this world, if you play this game, it sends you to other worlds sometimes and other dimensions and accidentally the people playing Poyo sent themselves to the Tetris world and they got to play Tetris against the Poyos to solve the problems. And pretty much every interaction between two new characters who've never met each other before comes down to, oh, I know who this person is. I need to let them know that everything's okay. Oh no, they're panicking and hysterical. How do we deal with their hysteria? I guess we fight them. And then when we beat them, they'll be calm and they'll listen to us. It's basically the same plot as Fire Emblem Warriors. <laughs> in the every, I was I, about to say, like this sounds yeah. like you've said all of these words before no, on a I was recent like, podcast. Why? I was like, why does this feel so familiar? And it's only just clicked as we're doing this podcast that it's the same plot as Fire Emblem Warriors. <laughs> it is. It is. I need to save the world. I just need to tell you that, like, everything's fine. This is what we're doing. Oh, no, you're not listening. I guess we're having a battle. And then when I win, you'll listen to me. How lovely. Is that just, like, a weird genre thing in Japan? Like, is that a genre of story that happens? Or is it just... I mean... Is it just the laziest storytelling technique possible for we want to wedge these worlds together i think that's it like i've played a lot of dynasty warriors crossover stuff and there's a lot of that as well there's a lot of you know beat the person and fight them and nearly kill them because they won't believe you uh, any other they won't believe that you're not hostile until you yeah. open hostilities against yeah. them <laughs> when you are hostile enough they will stop and listen and work out that you're not hostile because you were yeah. so hostile that you're now not hostile yeah, that's pretty much the plot of many Dynasty Warriors mashup games, um, and and uh, I mean it must just be a big 
Japanese mashup game storytelling trope. Um, I, I, there aren't that many Western crossover games, I don't think, that we could really draw comparisons to. Yeah. You know, the world that... dreams of a, a Skyrim X Witcher. Nobody dreams of that. The Witcher fans would throw a riot. Oh, God, yeah, they would. They really would. Uh, so it's... Bethesda X Witcher Tournament. It's it's uh I don't I don't even know. Uh so yeah, that's everything we have on the topic list for this week, and we still have like thirteen minutes to fill. Anyone got anything just about their week in general they want to chat about? Because it's Thanksgiving, I guess that's that's thing. Um what what yeah. what do we what do we want to talk about today? What we got on our I minds? Mean, I'll I'll <laughs> use some time. I'll use some time to say that uh as as the manager of Stardust, uh, oh, I'll speak, mm. I'll speak <laughs> on behalf of my client and tell Pro Wrestling Ego, which is based out, down here in Mississippi, Pro Wrestling Ego, the local indie wrestling promotion. I would just like to say that uh, the invitation to appear at an upcoming show, uh, quite possibly the January 27th one in Jackson, uh, if anybody's interested, um, the, the, the invitation's been accepted. And Stardust will be making his appearance in the local independent wrestling scene very, very shortly. You could say it was scribbled in the stars. This was destined to happen. Uh, I'm so excited to see this. I've been, I've been hearing many a rumbling about what's in the stars for Stardust. Yes, yes. This is one of the few ideas I've had that I pulled out my ass that actually has some sort of end game. And, and actually now, because of some other entities that got involved, a better end game than I had envisioned. So I'm very excited. But yes, uh, be on the lookout for Stardust making some, and I, I can't, still can't believe I'm saying it, some actual impact in independent wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun old time, isn't it? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, my week's been really weird this week in that I basically just like took several days off to have a night out and then sleep it off for a few days. So I've just that been sort of good. like, I've not really paid any attention to the world this week, which has been, it was kind of nice to just take a couple of days where I just turned off the internet and just had a, had, you know, went out for a bit of a dance at night and then, uh, you know, I had a nice lazy day in bed. I just had a very, very pleasant week. That sounds good. That's, that's nice, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen nearly often enough. <laughs> mm. I'm trying to see if like anything yours? else happened this week. Uh, how was your week, Gav? <laughs> it was all right. I just worked a lot. That's, that's, that's about it. That's, that's, honestly, <laughs> that's honestly how most of our weeks go spent, at this point. Spent the whole fucking week in front of Cubase. So. Really yeah. Working on my Stranger Things song. Ah, I was going to ask if we knew what your next song was. I, yeah. I'm very excited for this. How? How? Yeah. how That's has... a good, good show, isn't it? Oh, uh, I, I, I know. I only finished watching season two like a couple of weeks ago. I already kind of want to go back and rewatch it. that show. I'm yeah. still getting through it. I've not gotten as far as I intended to, but uh, and I, it's good so far. I liked the episode that everyone else hated. <laughs> uh, so did I. I thought it yeah. was a. 
I thought it was a really nice character building episode. Me too. God damn I'm, it. I'm, I keep hearing about this. I felt okay. like it played with like the kind of um, edgy um, punk kids 80s trope. And yeah. I don't know, maybe people who didn't grow up with that have a different view on that. Mm. But for me, it felt a little bit tongue in cheek. And I, I really... In- so there is an episode in season two that tells a bit of a side story for a character. And yeah. a lot of people don't like it because it's going away from the main plot. I yeah. really enjoyed that little side story, and I'm, I really did I, too. Yeah. I really liked the arc it took its character on, mm. so that when we go back to the main story, it somewhat informs how we come back there. Yeah, I really didn't get the hatred for it. I I I struggle to see it as well. Like I quite yeah. enjoyed that episode, and people are like, "No, it's worst episode TV ever. It's, it's, it's terrible." Yeah, it was one of my favorite episodes. So. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, I the, took my headphones off. I don't want to hear a thing. I don't want. I don't want to. It's hear the one the where they all die, yet. where everyone in the uh, show. Dies. Everyone dies. Is it? I, I think right. we did a very good job of being, you know, spoiler-free there. Discreet. I'm yeah. sure you did, but I that's, took my headphones that's off. That's fair. Safety, safety is fair. Um, yeah. Like, you've you've started watching season two. Yeah, I'm like you? a couple episodes in, yeah. Okay. Um, then we got sidetracked to just watch the entire run of Eastbound and Down, because I've never really watched <laughs> a lot of Danny McBride stuff. I will oh. say, the, 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 the final episode of Eastbound and Down... That's one of the more obscure ELO songs I've ever seen put in a thing. Um, Danny McBride's love of referencing obscure pop culture is impressive as hell. Um, When he referred to one character as the saxophonist from The Lost Boys, like, me and my wife both lost our fucking shit. Um, He he does fascinating TV between that and Vice Principles. It's Mm. like Kane and Lynch of, of comedy. Like... We've seen, like, Always Sunny with, like, irredeemable assholes, but these are, like, gen- I've never seen such genuinely, remorselessly awful people who are consistently rewarded. And it's so frustrating and fascinating to see. Uh, I'm, I'm, so there's a, the, it's not a thing I've seen, but it's a thing I'm very excited to see that comes out in, like, a week and a half, I think, like, in the next couple of weeks. Reviews finally dropped for The Disaster Artist, and it's reviewing really well. I don't know oh, if yeah. either of you were aware of this film. Yeah, The yeah. trailer looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was cynical at first, but especially because James Franco is like in almost mm. as many films as Dwayne Johnson have, have now. E- but... Have either of you read the book, The Disaster and, Artist? And James Franco at times is almost mm. as like weird and bad at acting as... <laughs> Was the it? guy he's playing yeah. in that movie. So for anyone for anyone who doesn't know, basically there's this there's this notoriously terrible film called The Room that is bad in ways that are very confusing and that like it's difficult to really wrap your head around how this film exists. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's a pe- it, it, it was a vanity product. Well, project, it's, it's right? a vanity. Too much money. Yeah, but it's a vanity project from a man who had too much money, but no one knows how he got that much money or what he was trying to do with it. Like he, this guy Tommy Wiseau is this weird eccentric guy that he wrote the script for this film and stars as the main character in it, but he half the time sounds like he doesn't understand. 
the lines that he wrote for himself. Like, it's it's a bizarre You're nothing film. but a chicken. Cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> I'm fed up with this world. <laughs> oh, I, I did not hit her. Oh, hi, Mark. I did not. I did not. I did not. <laughs> so, yeah, it's this very weird... Anyway, it's, how's it's, your sex life? <laughs> uh, it's, it's incredibly quotable, yeah, that movie. It, it's a super yeah. weird film, and, like... Years later, we kind of got a little bit of a look into how this film came to be because one of the actors in it basically wrote a book called The Disaster Artist about what it was like to be part of this film and what it was like to work with YSO. And they've made basically a film adaptation based on this book. And it's... It's kind of... Like, from what I'm hearing, it apparently works because of what you were saying a minute ago, Gav, that... that uh, diff- that um. Franco is kind of weird and eccentric himself and kind of overacts things. And that apparently makes him a really good fit for acting as Tommy Wiseau. From the footage I saw, he he was impressive as Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. I'm really glad to have him playing me. And I love Lisa so much. Yeah. It's... I, I'm really like I've I've read like I don't usually read like try and I try not to read reviews of stuff before I go into it, but I was I was just really curious about this. But apparently like they walk the line between comedic and like heartwarming look at someone that just wanted to make a thing really lightly. I'm like, oh, I wanna go see this now. So that's yeah. my thing I'm excited about. I'm I'm very excited to go see the disaster artist soon. Yeah. Like it, it- I was initially turned off just because I'm at that point of of James Franco saturation, uh, but I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, yeah, he he is sort of perfect for this, <laughs> and this trailer looks incredible. So that is definitely well known. But you know, I haven't even seen Jigsaw yet, and I'm the big Saw fan. Oh, I still I've, need to I've not seen Jigsaw either. See Jigsaw. I'm sure it's you know. I'm trying Crap to by most standards, but by my standards, probably highly enjoyable. Yeah, and me cackling. I I kind of wish I'd I'd gotten around to seeing it. I didn't end up seeing it while it was in the cinema. Um, did we did we talk about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two? Uh, not not Guardians. Sorry. Okay, you'll see in a second why I called it Guardians of the Galaxy two. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. That's what I'm fucking thinking of. But uh, very... I haven't. No. No. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see Justice. I'm just, Laura. I'm so fucking burnt out on superheroes. I'm. I've not bothered seeing Justice League. I've heard nothing that sounds halfway interesting about it. I, I'm not interested in a rushed superhero ensemble film. Thor Ragnarok. I very much enjoyed. And this is as someone that did not enjoy the fir- the first two Thor films. I thought they were just. The second one in particular was just boring as hell. They found a way to make Thor fun and in engaging, and I very much enjoyed that film. I they they it. took him from being just like a really bland, lifeless hero to like they basically tried to give him the Guardians of the Galaxy treatment of let's go eighties music and neon and throw some jokes in. Cool. So Guardians of the Galaxy is pretty much the only Marvel one I've really enjoyed in the last few years. Uh, Thor, the 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 fact that I accidentally called this Guardians of the Galaxy should say like <laughs> this is yeah. Thor Ragnarok basically feels like they tried to, tried to turn the four uh, Thor films into it, Guardians of the Galaxy and they did a good job of it. It would I heard be very cool good if we got it. some other blockbusters that just don't have to be superhero things though. Yeah, like I films are one of those things I am not up to date on. I have no idea what's coming out. Mm. Films 2018. I just want to see what films are coming out now. <laughs> 
It's the definition of playing for time. Let's let's have a look for films that aren't superhero. Fi- uh, I was going to say this isn't a superhero film, but it is. The Incredibles is happening apparently. Incredibles two is next oh, year. Another one, okay. Wow. Uh, no, there's apparently a remake of Mary Poppins next year. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> They'll uh, leave nothing. Nothing will be left. Uh. That that is the only things I can see coming out next year that look interesting that are not superheroes. The only thing I'm looking forward to from Hollywood is the inevitable <laughs> "fuck you, it's January" video from Red Letter Media, where they <laughs> will go through all of the bullshit that's coming out in the early 2018s. Uh, that'll be fun. And is have we have we stalled for time long enough? Have we? Have I'm we, good. Have we done an hour <laughs> of entertainment? <laughs> Um, this actually has literally just brought me up to the Jimquisition going live and turning HD on YouTube, so it's actually the perfect time for me to go. So I will thank our listeners for listening, and first of all, ask Laura, how can people get to see your work on the internet? Uh, you can find my work Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. You can also find me at Laura K. Buzz, most places that have usernames. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. Laura K. Buzz, most places, probably. Okie dokie. And Gavin, musician, working on his Stranger Things song. But in the meantime, what can we listen to? Where can we listen to it? Miracle of Sound on YouTube and follow me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. Uh, and you can help me pay my bills by supporting my Patreon at Miracle of Sound as well. Okay, okay, sounds fantastic. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all for your support. Uh, especially thank you lately for some of the reactions to some of the work I've been doing. Um, as I say, the, the response Stirdust has gotten has been fantastic. And like I said, it's going. this one actually has a plan and not one that I intend to drive you all into being sick of. Don't worry. I'm not going to be overused. But there's, there's a plan and it's exciting and I'm excited about the plan. And obviously all of the support with the... the loot box controversy shit um if you look at the washington post's article on star wars battlefront 2 uh, you'll see they interviewed me for that um so you can check that out um you can check out uh the 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 mirror in the uk did an article on it and quoted my entire ama question which i delighted me um obviously i've been getting a lot of emails a lot of tips about loot box controversies and whatnot thank you for doing that, do please check on social media and make sure I have seen it so I don't get 10 emails about the same thing. Um, and I'm just, I'm working so hard. There's so much material to work with right now. The industry isn't letting up. Uh, so I'm busy. <laughs> and thank you all for continuing to follow me along while I continue to be busy. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>